podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us on what is an insane Monday in the Big 12. Um, I don't know, you know, look, people don't make decisions based off of how they impact my life or the lives of people who cover sports all that much, but... Halloween night when you're trying to go to parties and take your kids trick-or-treating and dealing with other things is not the most ideal time to announce a major, I don't know, decision regarding the coach head coaching position of a Big 12 team. So obviously, as you can guess, that's what we're going to be leading our show with uh, today. So uh, joining me as they always do, Andy Mitz. Hey, uh, yeah, we thought we were going to be talking about one head coaching vacancy, not not two. So yeah, yeah. It's going to be a fun show. And Jamie Steyer Johnson. Yes. Oh boy. Uh, let's talk about coaching vacancies, shall we? What else would we possibly? I mean, it, it, in the beginning <laughs> of November, I don't know. I would I would think the first terrible playoff rankings and, and the nonsense, it's going to be Cincinnati at five or six or seven. And These are all wonderful. And Ohio State topics. back in the top four. Um and while we're talking, we are joined by uh, a man who seems to be really excited. So I can only assume the Houston Astros have have done something in the World Series because he's paying more attention to it than he is to us. Uh, our good friend Albie Shore from Tortillas and Takes joining us. Albie, welcome back, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm glad I'm having this podcast to talk about USC's you know <laughs> opening. That's that's what this is all about, right? <laughs> no, no, this is an LSU <laughs> podcast now. LSU. Oh, cool. oh, LSU, of course. We we too are leaving the Big Twelve and moving to the SEC. <laughs> uh, coming off of a three-game losing streak, I will get to that in a minute. Okay, so obviously the big news. I'm feeling um, a little bit Whirly. all over the place tonight, so just bear with me. Um, we're, yeah. we're a little punch drunk as a podcast as as a podcast tonight, yeah, guys. I'm candy yeah. drunk. Um, so let's just start off with. Candy dr- ooh, oh, good, good for you. Mm, Let's sugar high, sugar coma. Cho- Let's chocolate wasted. One. Yes, chocolate wasted. There we go. <laughs> we got it. We got it. Um, all right. 
let's just let's just start off. Uh, it was announced on Sunday night. If you haven't heard yet, well, welcome. Good morning. Uh, apparently, you went to bed very, very early. Uh, Gary Patterson officially stepping down as the head coach of the TCU Horn Frogs. His good friend Jerry Krill or Kill, yeah, Kill, not Krill. Krill is a small crustacean. Uh, will be taking over as the interim head coach while TCU looks for a, a permanent replacement. Um, apparently, according to multiple reports, that includes um, from CBS Sports and our good friend uh, Shahan J. Raja. Uh, TCU approached uh, Gary about coaching through the rest of the year, and then at the end of the season, moving into a kind of an administrator role, uh, Gary decided he would just go ahead and stop and just step down. Now, uh, we're going to have a lot of nice things to say about Gary moving forward. That decision is not something that I agree with because I don't think it's the best interest of your players to not coach out at least the rest of the season since you recruited them, but that's neither here nor there right now. Um, this is a shocking, not, not shocking in that his time has come to an end. I think we all have kind of felt like, um, that, that day was growing nearer and nearer and nearer as this team was unable to, the program was unable to refine and rekindle the success that it had in the past. Um, you're off to a really rough start on this season. Um, you're looking at a very unlikely chance you're going to a bowl game again for TCU, Look, we can talk about what his legacy is and everything here in just a second, but um, Andy, why don't you kind of kick things off? I mean, it's pretty surprising news to us on this Sunday night to happen when it is. What, what are just your thoughts on the situation? Well, you know, I, I actually saw the news break and I immediately thought back to last summer when, when you, Jamie, and I were all kind of getting in the swing of things of, you know, doing this Monday show together. Um, and you and I had a podcast episode where we talked about, you know, who was most likely to leave first. Was it going to be Mike Gundy? or Gary Patterson. Um, and we all kind of saw this potentially as something that could be coming. It was just a matter of when, um, you know, I really, I really do think that the COVID year probably delayed the inevitable when it comes to Gary Patterson. And it's not that I wanted Gary Patterson to leave. He did deserves every bit of the accolades he's going to get, you know, the, the legend that he is in TCU football, but it was. It, it's been pretty clear for a few years now that it seems like football is starting to get, like the current, you know, state of the game is getting a little bit further away from Gary Patterson's wheelhouse at this point. Um, you know, the, I, I thought that he could hold on for a little while longer if he made significant changes to his staff, brought in a bunch of younger guys that could help kind of refresh what it is they try to do, and he could focus on, you know, the defense that that he is able to do and it just wasn't happening. And, you know, it's one of those things. If you talk to TCU fans, everybody kind of saw the writing on the wall that this was coming at some point. It was a matter of how the changes were going to happen. This is not at all what I was expecting though. Smack dab in the middle of the season where he just resigns. I, I mean, I, I, I do agree. It, it sounds like they tried to, you know, do the whole mutual parting of ways, give him an, like a kind of a parachute into another role with the athletic department because, you know, to, to be honest, like it's going to be difficult to imagine TCU athletics without Gary Patterson there in some capacity. Um, you know, I, I had thought maybe he would transition into the athletic department afterwards. Like if a guy was going to do it, it seemed like he would be the perfect guy to do it. People talked about Bill Snyder potentially doing that over at K-State for the longest time. And like, I think Gary Patterson doing something like that makes a whole lot more sense. Um, but like, I wouldn't be surprised if Gary Patterson wants to get into like analysis, like go, go to one of the big studios and, you know, be a studio analyst or something like that. Like he has still has a lot of football life left in him. The question is, what is he going to do with it? But this is absolutely shocking the way that this happened here. So like, sorry, I've got a whole bunch of thoughts that all jumbled together because that's how much of a mess this thing has caused 
this evening for all of us at this point. So, Jamie. Yeah, I mean, my my only like big thought is agreeing with you, Philip, that I'm surprised with the way it was handled, where if if the reports are accurate, which they tend to be, um, and he was given the opportunity to finish out the season and chose not to um, as as a player, I would probably be pretty upset if you had that kind of shake up mid season. Um, it's not like you're just throwing someone random in charge. You know, it's someone who they should have some familiarity with, but I don't know, unless he felt like he really had lost the team and there was no real relationship left there to even try to salvage. Um, it's, it's kind of a bizarre move there, but yeah, it'll, it'll definitely be interesting to see both where he lands and where ECU ends up searching. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll be really interested to see where he ends up going because I think he'll have a lot of different options um, and where his career takes its next step. So that'll be something to watch, certainly. Uh, according to a report from The Athletic, uh, written by Sam Kahn and Bruce Feldman, uh, apparently this week, Athletic Director Jeremiah Donati wanted to uh, see what changes Patterson was going to make in the offseason and didn't like what Patterson basically had to say. The situation went downhill from there. Uh, Donati wanted Patterson to stay on the rest of the season. Per sources, but Patterson said he was done now. I am curious saying done now, does that mean that the whole transitioning role will still happen or is he done at TCU, done at TCU? Because if he's going to walk away at this point in the season, that's kind of the feeling that I get, whether that's to go on into uh, television, whether that's to start his music career and take it full fledged, whatever that <laughs> might be for him. I'm not sure. Look, we can make jokes and we can, we can all kind of agree that the end of his career was nigh. Um, I don't like how it's ending both his decision to walk away now. Um, nor do I like that. The fact that the man who has been a staple and a pillar of the college football coaching community for the past 21 years, the head coach of TCU is having his career end in this way. Granted, nobody, most coaches don't get to walk away from the sport in a happy situation. Very, very rare for anybody to not go out on negative terms, whether because of losing or something worse happening. I, I think we're going to plenty of time to talk about, you know, legacy over the next few years. But to me, like, folks, TCU is not in the Big 12 without Gary Patterson. And I, I don't think... I don't think we give that statement enough due because we're just so used to TCU being in the Big 12 now. TCU might, I believe the the, the line I saw from somebody on Reddit was basically like, TCU would be in the Sun Belt. Like, let's think about this for a second. TCU was bad before he got there. They were not, this isn't some situation where it's like, oh, they were pretty solid. TCU was bad before Gary Patterson arrived and took over and turned TCU into such a prominent program that the last time we had realignment, they were like the auto Texas ad, right? Like they turned TCU into a perennial top 25 team, a team where we're sitting here going, why are things going so badly for them? This isn't the same. I mean, that's how good he did with, with them. It's not like, okay, well, you know, they'll be, it's like, this is disappointing for TCU. It's not just like, okay, like it's insane to think that where they are now compared to where they would have been without him is I don't I don't think we I don't think we can overstate like they wouldn't be in the Big Twelve. I don't think we can really explain how big that statement actually is without like spending way too much time. Yeah. Alpi, I think you got something you want to talk about. No, I was gonna say they were in the conf they were in the conference USA this millennium. <laughs> 
this like this millennia, they were in Conference USA and they are now a like a prominent member of the Big Twelve. Well, so, don't forget but, they they were in the defunct Big East for about ten seconds as well. So that's true. That's, that's right. Well, I'll say this like, and I don't like Gary Patterson. That's that's I just I don't like him. That's a, more of a, a more of a Texas Tech hatred vendetta type of thing. But I cannot deny how good of a coach he's been, how influential he's been for TCU. He's been great for them. Um, and everything Philip said, you're absolutely right. That he, they are, I mean, they're they're nowhere near this level without Jerry Patterson as a head coach. You know, so they they deserve, or he deserves everything that he's gotten at TCU. I do think there was a his ousting had a little bit more to do with um, some personal personal things there between him and and the AD. I think I personally him and Donati. I Personally, I do think he kind of did this without thinking about his players. Jamie kind of alluded to that a little earlier. Like, that's this is kind of considering that they still have a season to be had, they can still technically make a bowl game. There's still some salvage at the end of the season that could, could be had for TCU for him to walk out on like this. Uh, Joel Klatt just made a whole big ruckus about how how could Texas Tech fire well considering the players. And I do think I do think that is something that should be there. I do think the players that are on currently at the university should matter. Uh that goes to be said here as well. But that being said, it does seem like there was something between him and Donati. And the worst kept secret this year was that Gary Patterson was likely to be out at the end of the year. It's just that secret is now out. The and one thing I want to say before we move on is, are we that sure that he's done with coaching? I don't think he is. Because I don't think no. that's a I don't think foregone conclusion. I think oh, no, no. I would not be surprised if he defined somewhere else to jump into. The question is where and, and how long it's going to take. Like, is it something where he jumps it back in immediately this offseason? Or does he go, say, the the less miles route of take a, a season off, figure out what he wants to do, find the best situation for him? Like, is he itching to get back in there and try to show people that, you know, TCU uh... is the problem and not him? Or <laughs> I've already <laughs> got a friend calling their shot that he's going to tech, so... Oh no. Okay. Listen. All right, God. Oh my God. This Sunday has been so so bad for me. Um all <laughs> oh, this is tech tech fan fans. They're they're down bad right now. All right. <laughs> this has been a really bad weekend for all the whole tech fan base. Um and I guess we're gonna get into it a little bit, but the whole uh, Jeff, trailer signing the extension is has really gotten our fan base in a in a rock right now. And uh, Gary Patterson, I've, I've from people I respect, I, who I thought were joking. Now I'm not too sure if they're how much they're joking. Um, it's a uh, oh my god, it's 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 rough, people. That the fit it's doesn't make game. any sense at all. It doesn't um, make any oh, sense. Oh no, so, not at all, Philip. I I, I will say really. before we move on from TCU, I, I mean I think at this point I don't know that we can do it any more justice trying to talk any more about it. I would just plug you know here on the Ten Twelve Network the Funky Frog Podcast. Uh, with, you know, based off of what Melissa Trebowasser at the coach Melissa over on Twitter was saying, I think she's going to have some very poignant thoughts. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so I'm de definitely going to make sure that I, you know, tune into that podcast this week because I'm sure that her and Colin are going to talk about it. Oh, I mean, that's going to be the majority of their show for, for this. I mean, right. Right. Honestly, <laughs> like I'm sure that they'll talk about the game Saturday and they'll talk about Baylor for about two minutes. Saturday. Probably. I, mean, I think majority of the show is going to be a, and look, listen to that one. And look, to, listen to purple theory. Um, those are the two best TCU podcasts. Luckily we have one of them. And the other one is just Parker is a good friend and always been very supportive of us. And I, I think you should go listen to both of those shows. 
Um, so, to- no, so shout out to real quick, shout out to Melissa for telling us uh, how bad TJ Storm it was in the left tackle, and I didn't believe her. I should have. <laughs> I, I should have. He's not been great. He's uh, not been great. They they, so. they don't miss him. Um, speaking to to Alby's point on on Jeff Trailer, one of the, the the to me the name for Texas Tech as the guy who was going to end up being eventually the head coach, I think is out of the running. Uh, UTSA head coach Jeff Trailer just the the news on Sunday signing a a ten year extension uh, that bumps him up to two point eight million dollars a year. I think his buyout goes up to like seven and a half. Uh, they're putting a ton of money into his coaching staff. Um, let's see. Yeah, two point eight a year. It'll increase the salary pool for assistant coaches and support staff. They're throwing UTSA is throwing a ton of money into this football program as it moves to the American here in the next couple of years. A trailer's new contract includes a buyout of seven point five if he leaves UTSA before or during the first year of this contract. Seven million the second year, a million each year until the sixth year. Um, I don't. I look. Texas Tech paid Matt Wells three million a year. Is Tech is Tech gonna pay seven point five? I trailers off the table. I think trailer is at UTSA. I think he's very happy there. I think they're investing in him, and he's happy to stick around there for quite a while. He's got a really good thing going, and he may just be happy building UTSA into the next as t- TCU, whatever. I don't know, but I, he's off the table for right now. Let's just let's just uh, for Texas Tech fans who are really hopeful. I'm sorry, I thought that that was the guy. I think he's just happy where he is. Um, this leads us to, and Albie, I'm glad you're here. Are we about to have a a, bit, a good old fashioned bidding war for Sunny Dykes between TCU and Texas Tech because that kind of feels like what might be coming. I'll I'll name a couple of other guys I would I would put up for both jobs, but for now, I mean I think that's the top target for both schools moving forward until one of them lands him or he goes Nah I'm good staying at SMU. Sunny Dykes is in a perfect situation. He has three options. And it all makes, like, each option makes sense. I don't think I've ever been in a situation where, like, like Sonny Dykes, the, the tech option, obviously, it makes a lot of sense because I mean, even if you take away the fact that his dad is a legendary coach at Texas Tech, uh, he grew up in West Texas, grew up in, went to high school in Lubbock, graduated from Texas Tech, coached at Texas Tech. Like, the ties are all there, right? And then, and then you got TC, or you got SMU, I'll, take, I'll go there first, where he loves Dallas. Everything I've heard about him, he loves Seeing Dallas, and I mean, I've lived in, in the DFW. It's it's a great Dallas is a is a really fun city. So like he absolutely loves it there. He loves being at SMU so far. So that makes sense in saying. And then you got TCU. Like imagine telling your wife, "Hey, I'm gonna get a lot more money, um, and a lot e- better job, and we don't have to move. We can stay where we are currently." Like that's like all three decisions make a lot of sense. And uh, yeah, I just I would love to be in a situation that Sunny Dykes in in my own life like i kind of uh like hey hey babe like i'm gonna make a lot more money i don't have to move or i can stay where i love or i can you know go back home like there's it's it's a great situation yeah it's i mean it's it's weird because you know this is like and and, and this is what makes it so extremely strange like literally probably the only differentiator between texas tech and tcu right in terms of looking at it as a job is you know do you want to go to a public institution in texas tech that's bigger or a smaller private institution in TCU that's in, in, in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Like there's literally just one thing differentiating these, these two jobs. Cause they're both in the big 12, you know, any candidate that's good for one of them is going to be good for the other with Texas ties or, or whatever it is. The criteria is so like, basically it's, it's institutional fit is going to make a difference there. 
and like what kind of institution does a, 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 a potential coaching candidate actually want to go to? Like it's going to be really hard for these two schools to not be in direct competition for every single candidate on their list. TCU making this move now. I mean, and then again, the idea of like, well, they're making this move now because they want to get ahead of Texas Tech. I mean, if that were the case, I mean, maybe, but I mean, if he was going to stick around to the end of the year, were they going to announce that? Were they going to let everybody know that they were going to, to go hire a new guy or are they going to keep it quiet and try to do it on the back end? Like, you know, I, I'm not entirely sure I buy that. I think if Gary is saying, no, I'm out, I don't buy that TCU was trying to get ahead of Texas Tech. If they were, they would have just said, hey, go ahead and go now because we need to get on this. And so I don't, I'm not sure like the whole Gary choosing to leave now doesn't fit that narrative as much. However, we do have a situation where two big 12 teams in the state of Texas are going head to head. And look, the narrative is going to be this. This is TCU is one of the best jobs in the new look big 12. It's located in the DFW area. They've got talent on the roster. There's it's proven to be, they have been able to be the third best school from a recruiting standpoint, even when they haven't been very good as far as record wise with Gary, like the potential for TCU and the new big 12 is absolutely there. That is a school that can win this conference and be the new big dog in the conference pretty easily versus, and I, and LP, I, I did understand the difference between, I know Texas tech has a lot of potential it's taken some very unique characters to reach that potential. And I also understand that the narrative is not as entirely as true about the whole like location as reality is, but the narrative exists and there's too many prominent people who cover recruiting, who point out to the narrative on a constant basis that there is something to that, at least from a recruiting standpoint. As we've talked about, you and me, they have a hard time getting recruits to come out there. Once they get there, it looks great. They like it. It's awesome, but they have a hard time getting recruits to come out to Texas Tech. So I do think TCU from that standpoint is a better job than Texas Tech. Do you do you agree with me or do you want to push back? Philip, how dare you? Of course I agree with you. <laughs> Actually, you know, I mean, yeah, no, I agree. Like as I'm a Texas Tech alum. And if you ask me if I, as a grown man, if I would want to move my family to Lubbock or, or the Dallas-Fort Worth area, I'm choosing the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I can make that decision right now. Actually, no, when I left college, I had a choice whether to stay in Lubbock or move to Arlington and I moved to Arlington right <laughs> like so it's it's I think that I, I will say this and I always say that from age 18 to 23 Lubbock's one of the best cities to absolutely have outstanding time fun time in but then once you turn 23 and once you graduate and you're older and all that other stuff you want to be in an actual big piece you're telling you're asking these coaches if you're competing for the jobs you're asking these coaches hey don't worry about Fort Worth and the Dallas Fort Worth area come out to Lubbock and that's where it gets a little bit more difficult. Now I will say that like, I think with tech, you're, you're saying that, Hey, we, we can pay. We don't, we have the money. We have all this, we have the facilities and that's great. Even if I see the problem is that even if you're arguing that, let's say you argue that tech has better facilities, it's, it's marginal. If you, if you think that, if you think tech can pay more, it's marginal. If you think that like, like TCU doesn't always uh, put all their money in all their other sports, but they invest in football. Football is one sport that they don't, they don't, you know, uh, uh, hold back on. So, hey, I do think TCU is a better job than Texas Tech. I think Texas Tech could maybe become a better job than TCU again. But like Philip, like you said, it's right now. It's just a job with some potential. But that's TCU has shown recently that they can get back, and they have the talent on. Like, like we were talking about it in our in, in tortillas and takes that we just recorded. Texas Tech right now, and I'm still of the belief that this is the most talented team talent alone team we've had since 2016 tcu this is probably the least talented team they've had in a while and it's even keel <laughs> like that's 
that's a problem. That's that's like that's that's the problem right there. So if you're a coach and you're looking at the two, you're saying, well, why? I mean, I'm I'm getting a little bit more in the basket here if I go to TCU. So there's that that also makes it a better job as well. So looking at these two jobs moving forward, obviously Sonny Dykes is probably the top name for both schools. I have a I have a after that. You'd like to be in on Billy Napier, but I'm not sure either school is going to because I feel like he's going to be more tied to the SEC. You're going to see, I think Jeff Trailer is out for both jobs. I think he's staying at UTSA. There's none other coach. I'm going to throw this name out because you're going to see it on social a lot. And I think at some point he's going to get a shot. And the question is, will he go straight to a Big 12 school or is he going to have to start at a G5 first? And it's Joey McGuire. Um, he, he is, if people want to kind of compare him to Trailer because Tech's very successful Texas high school coach, has all the connections, very well loved. Players at Baylor love him. He was a guy that, that players wanted to get the head coaching job at, at Baylor that went to Aranda. He's going to get a head coaching job at some point. The question becomes, does he get to skip ahead to the big 12 job or does he have to do a a texas state utsa kind of situation first i uh i think initially i thought he would have to do a group of five first i have now he has jumped up to one of my one of the guys that i would like i think he'd be really successful at texas tech um he was i mean he's been part of two full-scale rebuilds and has been an influential part of them both uh recruit he's very i mean to be honest to me he's very similar to jeff Trent. Right. And so it's the difference is that Jeff Trailer got to prove himself at UTSA in two seasons. And you're kind of skipping that and going straight to you're skipping the two seasons. Right. You're going straight to getting a, a Jeff, Jeff Trailer Jr. But Jeff, I'll say this McGuire is a lot more successful as an assistant than Jeff Trailer ever was as an assistant. I mean, Jeff Trailer's assistant track record wasn't that great before getting the UTSA job. He was part of some, some, some pretty bad uh, groups there and pretty bad seasons at Arkansas and at Texas, et cetera. So I, um, I, I'm I'm all for Joey McGuire. I think I'm I'd be at this point, especially if we're out on trailer, there's a chance that we might be out on dice too. I'm I'm Joey McGuire has actually jumped into my my top three wish list. Hey Jamie, you guys have any thoughts on on uh, Jamie? I know you JSJ, I know you don't, but that's fine. It's cool. I love it. Uh any thoughts on uh, on potential coaching candidates for either school after you know uh, you Dykes? You, you, you asked us to find candidates that would spark some discussion with all with everything going on. I don't know how much discussion we actually want to have, but an off the wall candidate that I had seen someone throw out that the more I thought about it, the more I like it. It is a, a shot in the dark to see if it actually could work. But uh, look, why not bring in someone like Dion? Look, I mean, you know, he's, yes, he's, doing, a, Alvin, he's doing a great job. Singing where he's Alvin's at. music right now. And look, look, it would be an absolutely off the wall who knows if it's going to work? Like, hold on to the seat of your pants because this could be really great or this could be really bad. But especially oh, it, for it a probably, team like it Tech, probably it probably wouldn't work. Like, It'd probably be terrible. But it would probably get out in flames at some you point. You could film but, a reality but, show, uh, and then Andy, I'm so there. glad you said this. <laughs> been, I, I think I so at first I said this as a joke. The more I've been talking, I've been convincing myself that ah, uh, this would be glorious, right? So for the past two weeks. I've, I've started to get more and more tech fans on board with, with prime university. Look, right? look, look. <laughs> so if your problem at tech is getting recruits to come to tech, bring in Dion, hey, they're going to want to come. Recruits going to come play for Dion. Right. They'll, they'll come play for him. They'll even come visit. And you know, if you can sell them on the place, once they get there, 
that's a great way to get him to come. I'm not saying that it's going to work out. I'm not saying he's going to be an absolutely phenomenal coach and he's going to have them winning the Big 12, you know, a bunch of times. But to, you know, to get them back on the map, to get people paying attention to them, you know, to be the next big story and potentially get recruits to come, like that is a way to do it. And you know what? It might actually work. It may not be like a super long-term thing, but it might work well enough to get tech to a position where then when they're looking for the next coach, then they have a lot more options and they're not directly competing with someone else in the conference, trying to bring in the best long-term candidate. Deion Sanders. He had success at high school, right? He won a couple state championships as an OC. He's having success at a lower level school right now. He knows Texas a little bit better. Let's do it. Deion Sanders to Texas tech. Ooh, yes. Andy. Oh, this is why we're friends. All right. I'll throw the more realistic one. Obviously if I'm Texas tech, I'm, you call Jamie Chadwell and t- make him tell you say no. Make him to t- make him tell you no. I know Jamie Chadwell has never coached outside of that's the currently the head coach at Coastal Carolina. In case you were currently googling that, Alvy, I know Alvy. No, no, I know I, you're looking at the Houston score. And I, and, okay, what's the score, Alvy? What's the score? It's it's we're say we're up, we're up seven five, baby. Yeah, there you let's, go. Let's get it. It's been a back and forth let's game. Uh, yeah. I, I don't care. Um, <laughs> uh. I, look, the guy has been very successful at Coastal. He was very successful yeah. at the FCS level. I, I I understand when people who don't get excited about him, his offense is so much fun to watch. For a school that has wanted to be offensive-minded and has been so hung up on the Pirate and Mike Leach's offense, bringing in a very different but also very excited offensive coach to kind of shift the direction for Texas Tech intrigues the hell out of me. Like, oh, let me tell you something though. Nobody, we don't like tech fans are so off of the, the Mike Leach offense. Now we've gone through three coaches that have tried to replicate some type of offensive, you know, pass first system. We just, we just want to win at this point. I'll say this. I think the problem I have with Jamie Chadwell is, is that, and I, I, what reason why I don't think we even, we even talk to him is no Texas ties. And that is, that is something that I don't, I don't think you can be successful at Texas tech without knowing how Texas football works without knowing how Texas recruiting works, without knowing how. And that's the reason why everybody that's been linked when it comes to McGuire, to Dykes, to, to Trailer, to anybody that's been linked has done something in Texas, whether it's been a, a star, being a star recruiter in, in the state of Texas or been a head coach in the state of Texas. And Chadwell, and I don't, I'd have to look it up, but I don't think he has any experience. No, he does not. I mean, if you follow the Matt Rule guidebook, he showed you how to, how to do it. Um, that's true. And that's this is always I, the thing I, of like, if you, someone looks at what Matt rule did and replicates the idea of let's make sure we have Texas guys on our coaching staff, like rule did, which is why Joey McGuire is a Baylor. If you get a couple of those guys on staff, you can drastically help with the whole, like, I don't know, Texas it, being a good leader means I know what I don't know. So I'm going to make sure I fill my staff with people who can handle the things that I can't handle. I don't know Texas as well as he's going to do. Matt rule didn't know Texas from squat. Point is that, look, if you can get Billy Napier, get Billy Napier, but I don't think he's coming to Texas Tech. Okay. Um, Albie, since you you're tell here. Me, what? Philip, you mean to tell me you wouldn't take your whole coaching staff from Utah and place them into Texas and say, y'all got it? You wouldn't do that? I mean, I that's know. what I've heard is one of the reasons that they pulled in Matt Wells because he could, quote unquote, bring his coaching staff with him. Both um, coordinators. <laughs> hey, hey they, they like the cut of David Yost's jib. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> You mean his hair, right? Oh, Not his yeah, gym. It was his hair. Um, okay, Alpie, before we get you out of here, let's do this real quick. Um, I give. Do you want to say anything about Saturday's game between Oklahoma and Texas Tech, or should we just 
I wasn't high on my list of things to talk about, but if you would like to, you're welcome to. I know. Eric Izukama played really well. He's right? NFL scouts will like him a lot. He's really good. Um, he's really good. Nobody else did, uh, but he did. He played really well. So good for him. Idle week. One I think you guys are really going to be looking forward to. Uh, still surprised they didn't wait another week before they made the move and let them have an idle week to prepare, but you know, whatever. From, I, I will, real quick, I will say, from what I heard, I don't know how true this is, but was that they didn't want to give him even the shot of pulling up something crazy and saving his job. That's, this is, um, that's to Andy's <laughs> point from last week of Andy, like, what if they pull one off and then he gets to keep the job? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I heard I that was a real thing. about that. Yeah. I heard that was a real thing. Like, we don't even want to give you the chance of saving your job. I think after the Kansas game, Oklahoma looked shaky. Nah, nah. Don't even look, give him look. the shot. Like, his assistant. So Kansas, no, no, no. Like, Kansas got Matt Wells fired. Kansas got Matt Wells fired. Yes, <laughs> that's one. But I'll say this: we need to start a site of my team is better than your team, but this crap. I will say this: the, the dominoes state, falling. The state of Kansas absolutely got Matt Wells fired. <laughs> yes, and then they got TCU to get rid of uh, <clears throat> Gary Patterson. Kansas State. Who's Kansas State got this week? Yeah. Uh, Kansas State's uh, West Kansas. Virginia. Kansas. Or no, I'm, no. Kansas. 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 They are not getting Leipold fired. Don't worry about that. No. How do we have it? Who else gets fired that there's an indirect cause? Buffalo's going to fire their coach. Hey, and it's no. going to be Kansas State's fault. You know, no, no. You know, you know what's going to happen when, um, when, when Kansas comes back from a double digit deficit in the fourth quarter against Texas, Sark's going to be in trouble. Not actually, but. Can you imagine though if if that happens to Sark a fourth time this year and it's against te- or against Kansas? But anyway, I'm just gonna let you keep just keep having that dream, man. I am not here to crush dreams. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! I am gonna have that dream as long as I possibly can until Texas is out of the conference because it was fun the last time that it happened. I in still want it to happen at least one more time. Exactly. Yes. Uh, LB, hey, it's always a good, good time to have you on the show. Uh, everybody can make sure you are listening to Tortillas and Takes, our favorite Texas Tech podcast. No, they're not part of the network. I'll just leave it at that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Alby, man. I will say, or, yeah. since I'm on the podcast, Shout out to Matt Wells. And I'm going to shout him out for one reason and one reason only. He got us the five wins. And because he got us the five wins, we want a very fun bet over against <laughs> Daniel. We hit the over, baby. We hit the over. And that's all I – that's that's truly all I care about. Forget bowl eligibility. Forget respectability. No, no. Five does that mean that, wins. Does that mean that Daniel should uh, reach out to Coach Matt Wells and ask him who he should be donating to? No, it's already decided. It's decided. We made the joke. I know. I know we I know. made the joke of like, you know, what's gonna be really funny is when they hit the over, but then he, they don't win another game, and it was all like, ha 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 ha, and <laughs> and now we have the situation that we have. Albie, man, everybody go listen to Tears and Takes. Albie, man, it's always a pleasure, and we'll talk to you again soon, bud. Thanks, guys. All right, well, for Texas Tech fans who are, you know, still trying to find a bright spot heading into the idle week, might I suggest you go and do a little retail therapy? It's always a good way to try and cheer yourselves up. And there's no better retail therapy I can think of for a diehard sports fan than home field apparel. The most comfortable vintage college sports apparel you will find anywhere. They've got Texas Tech. They've got 10 fantastic shirts. They've got a great hoodie. They've got a good sweater. Because I know it's getting cold out, folks. It's getting out. It's, it's going cold. It's getting cold. They got some great t-shirts. You can just layer the t-shirt. Put the t-shirt. Uh, you can get the uh, get one of the red ones and then layer it under the gray hoodie. You'll be all set. It'll be great. Texas Tech, not the only school they have. Of course, they also have Texas. 
Oklahoma State, Iowa State. I know you guys are a little sad. Retail therapy, good for you as well. Sorry, Jamie. Uh, Baylor, West Virginia, and of course, uh, upcoming Big 12 schools, BYU, UCF, and Houston. TCU's coming soon. Uh, if I'm a TCU fan right now, you're really hoping that they might get that on there quickly because you could definitely use some retail therapy as well. So while you are there, do not forget to use the promo code NETWORK12, N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2, and get 15% off your first order. All orders of $100 or more get free shipping. Folks, it's the holiday season. This is some great stuff you can get as gifts for your family and friends who are diehard sports fans or just love vintage college logos. Even if they're not a Big 12 fan, they have more than 100 schools available for you to choose from. So go to homefieldapparel.com, promo code NETWORK12, 15% off your first order. Be rocking the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel this holiday season. Are you a Big 12 basketball-obsessed fan and have nowhere to go for just all of your Big 12 basketball information? Look no further because Midwest Madness is here just for you. We talk men's and women's basketball all year long. With exclusive interviews, guests that come on to talk about each team, game recaps once the season begins, and so much more content you won't know what to deal with. So for all of your Big 12 basketball needs, Midwest Madness is your place to go. Listen on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. If I don't get home-filled apparel for Christmas from somebody, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, the few family members I know that listen to this show, Grandpapa. Just, just ask mom. She'll take care of it for you, okay? She'll she'll know what to do. Uh, just saying. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to leave it at that. Okay. Thanks again to Albie for coming on the show. Always a good time. Love having them. Uh, if you guys want to just tweet at them, like, no, I'm just kidding. That, that would be mean. They have a network that they're with, and I really like the Guns Up Nation guys. They do a really good job over there. Okay. Um, Andy, do you want any, to give any thoughts on OSU Kansas, or can we just move on from it? Um. The the Kansas jerseys looked really nice. Those helmets were were uh, sharp. Those were sharp helmets. Yeah, yeah, they were. No, I, I mean, just really the only the only two players that were worth talking about at all on Kansas side was Kenny Logan Jr. Um, and then Kyron Johnson. They both absolutely balled out, especially in the first quarter there. Um, and Kenny Logan Jr. was making big plays throughout. You know, I think midway through the third quarter when he actually got injured, um, and then wasn't in for most of the rest of the game. But uh, yeah, it didn't really matter. Um, we, we kind of expected this is probably something that was going to happen. And I'm going to talk about it on the podcast, uh, the, you know, my podcast over there. Um, we've, we've got some soul searching to do over there as Kansas fans to kind of figure out what exactly are we thinking about the rest of this season. So we'll see how all of that goes. But yeah, this was kind of expected. Um, not happy about it, but definitely expected. Uh, for Oklahoma State fans, as one, let me just say this. It was Kansas. Move on. Um, like, don't get over it. I, I've seen, already seen the OU fans getting all. And to the journalists, who are like, OU did this, no suit. Guys, really? Are you, are we dig in that hard to look for anything you can? Like, as an OSU fan, shut up. Stop it. Be better than that, okay? Grow up. You, you know, one more thing. I don't know how the thing that pissed me off the most out of that entire game was the fact that the stupid announcer kept saying Ingleworth instead of Illingworth. I was like, you need to know how to pronounce players' names. That bugs, like, the crap out of me. And, you know, I got to the point I was so pissed off that I I actually ranted, um, and my wife was wondering what the heck was going on about that, of all things, from that game out loud 
while she was trying to watch the World Series. So, um, you know, announcers, do better. You should be able to pronounce players' names, especially when what you're saying looks absolutely nothing like what the actual last name is. I feel qualified to speak on that, and you're right, and there are resources to show people, and you can listen to pronunciations sometimes by the players themselves and worst case scenario you you get a media contact from the school I've done it it's not that hard players deserve the respect of having their names pronounced correctly no no the funnier thing too was he said Ingleworth and the other guy the color guy said you mean Illingworth right he's like yeah yeah Ingleworth I was like no you said it wrong twice after you were corrected (laughs) There's no good excuse for it. No, I completely agree. Not not at all. Sorry. That is like Andy's weird uh, pet peeves. And now you guys get to learn another one. So great. Uh, Caleb Williams, uh, Oklahoma 52, Texas Tech 21. We mentioned this at the LP just for a second ago. Caleb Williams had an impressive day. Six touchdowns, no interceptions, which I forget which record he tied, but it's a really good one. Uh, OU is 9-0. They're undefeated. and they're doing what they always do, getting healthy and rounding into form into the back half of the season. This is the first time that Lincoln Riley has gone undefeated in the month of October since he took over as the head coach. I think the inevitable is coming. They get an idle week before finishing off their year with uh, at Baylor, Iowa State, at Oklahoma State. So we don't have to talk about OU for a little while, but they are going to be uh, definitely the team to watch in that three-game stretch down to end the season. All right, let's talk about the three games that we really need to talk about. Once and I tweeted this out on Saturday. Once is an occurrence. Twice is a coincidence. Three times, or thrice, if we want to use that term because it sounds funny, uh, is a pattern. What we have here is a pattern. What we have here is something that even uh, Tom Herman didn't do. Lose three games in a row. Blow fourth quarter leads three times in a row. And oh, by the way, I believe if I saw the stat correctly, uh, during Steve Sarkeesian's eight seasons as a head coach, he has had a three-game losing streak six times out of eight seasons. Folks, I the um, let me be optimistic for a second. The signs are there for Texas of the potential. The fact that they are able to get up in these games every game and be so dominant offensively shows you that the potential is there. I talked with Megan, texted with her, uh, Megan, host of the uh, Fire the Cannon podcast, her and Rocky. And I don't know if it's fatigue. The players are just getting more tired as the game goes on because they're just not prepared physically to actually play a full game. I don't know if it's their, the fact that they're missing two of their starting wide receivers and the rest of the wide receivers really don't seem like they can step up at all, which is kind of one of those, like, I get that they're all young. You also have a wealth of talent. You don't recruit the way you recruit and then complain about your wide receiver core. I don't know if it's just, they can't, Sark can't adjust to what defenses are adjust, how defenses are adjusting. I think, I think all of these things are combining to create a Texas problem that is now three games in a row of losing games when you not only held double-digit leads in them, you led at the half in all three games, you led by double digits in all three games, and you led in the fourth quarter of all three games, and now you've lost to Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Baylor three weeks in a row. And it'd be one thing if you just lost those teams in close games because those are three really good teams. You blew massive leads in all three. You can forgive once, you can ignore, you can kind of ignore twice, Three times, folks, sound the alarms. We got the problem in Austin. 
Yeah, I mean, especially since the first one was Bedlam. I'm sorry. Wow, I wow, <laughs> Red, the Red River rivalry. I was thinking Bedlam of what was coming up, and I completely, I actually had it up here on my screen. Um, wow. Anyway, um, yeah, but no, the first one was like a giant rivalry game. It happens. You know what? Like Caleb Williams coming in, obviously something you weren't prepared for. It's kind of hard to game plan for a quarterback that's going to have a complete, you know, breakout coming off the bench type of thing. Like that, that I can forgive, you know, it'd be like, oh, fluke. The second time it's a little worrisome, makes you kind of wonder what's going on. You know, Oklahoma State's defense is absolutely fantastic. And it's just like, uh, okay, like, you know, you can kind of explain that. But Baylor, I'm sorry, but that was a back and forth game. You seem to be taking a lead and really kind of exert, you know, exerting your dominance at that point. And then the fourth quarter, it all falls apart. And, and I mean, I really do think the biggest thing there is just the fact that Sark did not make any adjustments in that fourth quarter. And I don't know why. Like, it seemed like there were some pretty obvious things that he could have done, some some different ways that they could have, you know, thrown different looks from the defense. And, like, now, I'm not, I'm not saying I have all the answers, like, he should have done this and this and this, but it's pretty clear that the other teams are making adjustments and doing things differently, and he has no answer for it. And and I don't know what it is. Obviously, it's his first year. He gets a little bit of a pass because it is the first year. But this is Texas where, you know, all the expectations are a lot higher for a team like Texas when you have all those resources. So, you know, it's going to get old really fast if he can't get it figured out soon. Yeah, it's it's kind of wild. And at this point, it's happened so many times. And you just think you're like, is this it? Or are they going to keep doing this? Because at this point, they've just about had meltdowns more often than they've had a dang normal game this season. I don't know. It's the, It's certainly interesting to say the least. Not a lot of confidence to be found. Well, you would think there wouldn't be a lot of confidence to be found in some of those games going forward, but Texas being Texas, I'm sure they'll feel great about everything. I don't want to make excuses, but watching that game, their receivers, I mean, Xavier Worthy was really good again. I forget the names. Forgive me. I can't remember every name of every player, but they've got two starting wide receivers out. And and you saw Casey Thompson wasn't bad. He 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 put the ball where he needed to. He's not great. He's not amazing, but he played well. And and his his catcher his receivers did not step up for him. And and so I just I there's so many different things to me going into this that are just like so many things at play. So many things at play. Um, but it's going to come back to Sark. He's got to get things figured out. Um, Andy, I don't have a lot. You don't have a lot of time, so let's get through as many of these as we can. Um, on the Baylor side, real quick, um, seven and one, four and one in Big Twelve play, legitimate contenders to face off in the Big Twelve title game against whoever else is there. Probably Oklahoma, but whatever. Dave Rand, I know we talked about this last week. Who's our Big Twelve Coach of the Year? I don't know how anybody but Dave Rand is going to win it. I, I think this one's locked up at this point. I, I think he's locked this this Big Twelve Coach of the Year award up for this year, and not just because like over exceeding expectations, but like they're seven and one. They are playing even better than they were to start the year, uh, and with the schedule they have coming, I mean it's a a ten and two season seems very realistic for Baylor. Look, crazy things happen. Who knows what happens against at TCU this week with Gary leaving? What does that do? They've got Oklahoma, Kansas State, and Texas Tech. We've said chaos is going to hit at some point, but I think I think Iran is the coach of the year in the Big Twelve this year. I don't think anyone has a else has a legitimate case at this point for it. Agreed. And Baylor's good. I Baylor's mean, yeah. quite good. Yeah, I don't think there's anything else really to say about Baylor. They are absolutely fantastic. 
they're they're going to make a push to try to make it back to the Big Twelve yep. title game. Yeah. So, um, of course, we have a Baylor podcast now between two bears, uh, hosted by uh, Mattis Bear and Evan A Bear. See how that works? Isn't that funny? Isn't that great? The show is ridiculous. Um, the promo is going to run somewhere in here. It's hilarious. I, I oh, love that show. So it's our irreverent show. That's the best word I have to describe it. You should go listen. It is very funny. Um, they're going to have plenty of coverage for you for Baylor this week. Since Jamie's going to be sticking around, tell you what, let's do this. TCU 12, Kansas State 31. TCU, Gary Patterson is gone. Kansas State now one one away from eligibility. I come away from this game kind of going... Like, I don't even know what to say about this game now with, with Gary leaving. Like, we were going to have a conversation about TCU, the state of TCU, them scoring 12 points. Um, Kansas State's playing better. Um, I, they're one away from bowl game. I think they're probably going to do that this Saturday against Kansas. So, I I mean, this looks like the Kansas State we thought they would. Yeah. I, I kind of get that's, that's kind of my point I on mean, Kansas State. Like, Good. They're they're playing better, and the schedule is lightened up for them. And I think that all major concerns about Kansas from this state from this point forward are they're going to have a nice season, but not a great one. Yeah, we we are fast approaching the point with TCU at this point that like it's almost to the same point as like when you play Kansas. You can't really take too much from that game because I don't know how much of this is you know Kansas State rounding into form and making a big push here and how much of this is TCU is falling apart at the seams right now um the one thing i will say about this game though that, that got me a little riled up was to see that uh Felix and UDK Uzama and yes i had to look up the pronunciation Attaboy. for that Attaboy. but he was absolutely robbed of two sacks to tie the NCAA record for most sacks in a game uh, you know the, the 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 explanation that they gave was because the ball after he forced the fumble ended up um, you know, in front of the line of scrimmage that apparently doesn't count as a sack, which is not the way that that stat is supposed to work at all. He absolutely got six sacks in that game and he got completely robbed. And, this, you know, this coming from a Jayhawk fan, you know, it, it it's a big deal when, you know, a K-State player gets robbed like that, that I even I have to acknowledge it. So, yeah, it was it was absolutely a travesty. The fact that he did not get credited with six sacks in that game. Um, he should be holding a share of the record right now. And if you ever need, if you need to leave, bounce whenever you need to. Don't worry about it. We'll be okay. Um, all right. West Virginia, thirty-eight. Iowa State, thirty-one. Jamie, did did you actually watch any of this game, or did you just get in, see the score, and went, nah? Look. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened was, uh. I was occupied all day. Um, I was running a market for my business. And I have used way too much data on my phone this month. So I didn't watch the game. Uh, I watched Twitter and some of my group chats. And I was led to believe that despite not having a customer for the last three and a half hours of the market, because everyone was watching the game, so I was very close to Ames, that I, in fact, was the lucky one. So I've watched a couple clips that raised my blood pressure, because we all know the clips that circulated were... uh. Maybe what some would call questionable 
balls, which I know that's shocking to anyone who's ever watched the Big 12. Um, so when I realized that I didn't know if my blood pressure could survive watching more of that, and the fact that I have a policy of not doing things that I know are just going to upset me when I can't affect the outcome. No, I have not watched more than probably 60 seconds of that game. And I well, feel great right. about that. Jamie, that, 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 that's all right. I had plenty of outrage at that game for, for the both of us. Um, <laughs> look, I watched that thing. I had to watch it on the ESPN Plus app, which was not fun. I, I highly recommend that they figure something out because it was absolutely ridiculous. I also didn't like the fact that, you know, it was pretty clear after the, you know, halfway through the second quarter that those were very, very pro West Virginia announcers. And look, West Virginia played really well. They played well enough to be able to take advantage of the fact that the refs had some very questionable calls. Um, but I can tell you right now that, uh, you know, Brees Hall's elbow was down for sure um, before that ball came out. And he was in the end zone as well before the ball came out. Um, like that easily should have been a touchdown. Uh, they should have at least been going into overtime. Um, you know, there was a bunch of other stuff that kind of went on there. Like, I don't think there, there's any West Virginia fan that can honestly say that they were not benefiting extensively from the way that the rest were calling that game. Um, look, West Virginia played well. They, they are definitely on the right track. You know, I know that our friends over at the Raspberry Voice Kids are absolutely ecstatic, and they should be because that was a fantastic game for West Virginia, but it definitely should not have ended the way that it did or even gone the way that it did for a good portion of that game because the refs had some uh, some issues. You know, again, we say this all the time. There's a reason the Big 12 refs are a meme, um, and it was on full display. All right, let's do this. I believe wholeheartedly with every fiber of my being the Brees Hall's elbow was down with possession of the ball in the end zone. If you go watch the replay, there is there is not a great perfect shot that you can even piece together through the various frames that show that his knee was down with him holding the ball or that his elbow was down with him holding the ball. Now, could you have taken a, some editing software and put them all together with a stopwatch and probably gotten it right? Yes, that would have taken half an hour. You're not going to delay the game for half an hour. Do I believe with every fiber of my being that he got a touchdown? I do. Because they called it a fumble in the end zone, they did not have a clear line of view to prove without a shadow of a doubt that he didn't. The problem was the call in the first place. It should have been a touchdown. They should have called it a touchdown. They wouldn't have overturned it had it been a touchdown. It wasn't a matter of they didn't overturn it because they didn't want to. They didn't overturn it because they didn't have a good view. Just like in the fourth quarter, I believe wholeheartedly with every fiber of my being that Brock Purdy got the first down. He did not step out of bounds before the marker. He got the first down. But if you go watch all the replays, there is not a definitive shot of him without something obstructing your view of him crossing the first down marker. The spot was bad. The mistake was the spot, not the incorrect review. They reviewed it correctly. There were bad calls in this game. Now, there was no, like, <laughs> uh, taunting, not taunting, or whatever, but um, there were some bad calls, but there were bad calls both ways. This was a lot like the OSU-Iowa State game the week before. There was really bad calls on both sides of that field. They were bad. Iowa State's always stick out more because nobody likes to complain about the refs more than Iowa State, and in many cases, deliberately so. I love 
the Big 12 conference, like, we're sorry our ref screwed up wall that you guys have. It is the best thing. And I, I don't I mean that from like, that is hilarious. Thank you for doing that. Not like I'm glad that happened to you. Like it is every time I see a picture, I'm just like, that's that is that is gold. Like that is amazing. Obviously, you'd prefer not to have that. I don't think you're gonna get an apology. I'll take you to see it if you if you make it out to Ames. I will Ames. make it out to Ames and I, I will very much like to see it in person. I want a picture like with it. Like that's like now a big twelve bucket list item for me is getting a picture with the apology wall. Iowa State played poorly in this game. They didn't look half as good as they did against Oklahoma State or in the other games where they performed well. And the offense was not awesome, but but fine. The offense to me was not the problem. That defense gave up 38 points to an offense, to a quarterback in Jarrett Dagey, who should not be putting up 38 points on a defense as good as Iowa State's. And I can talk about the penalties here and there and just 21-point swing and all this other stuff. Guys, that was a bad performance by Iowa State, and they were not able to get away with it. That's what happened on Saturday. And we can blame the refs for this and that, and we can point out bad calls the other way too. It was a horrible pass interference call that helped Iowa State out. Horrible pass interference call on West Virginia that helped Iowa State out. We can do this all day. Iowa State played poorly in that game. I watched the whole game. They did not play well. They made West Virginia look significantly better than I think they have all season. Now, on the flip side to that, as it sounds like I'm just sitting here taking a dump on West Virginia, I was not going to give West Virginia credit for how they looked against TCU the week before. Look at what happened to TCU this week against Kansas State. But now, two weeks in a row, West Virginia has looked significantly improved since their bye week. Idle. Sorry. Nobody gets by as you get idle weeks. I got such a part of nomenclature, and I hate that I do it still. Oh, it's a work in progress, folks. Um, I am always a work in progress. West Virginia looks better. They're playing better. And Iowa State played poorly on the road. I I mean, I don't I don't have any other thing to say besides like did some bad calls go Iowa State's way? Absolutely. And I, I think they were the wrong call on the field, but the review did the best it could. But Iowa State played poorly on Saturday, and they lost a game where they played poorly, and the mistakes didn't go their way. I I we can nitpick this, but again, and I'm not doing the whole like, well, you shouldn't have been in that situation. Guys, games are close. Calls need to be made right at the end of games to make sure that it games in the way they should. We're not playing that game. What I am saying is Iowa State did not play well on Saturday, and they lost. And you can look for things other than, than the performance on the field, but at the end of the day, they played poorly. They didn't look as good as they did the week before. They looked half as good as they did the week before. They looked half as good as they had in other games. West Virginia is getting better, but that was a bad game by Iowa State. That's what I've heard. And I, and I get it in the moment, but I think most Iowa State fans are like, we didn't play all that well. But the refs, they made bad calls, and then they couldn't fix them in the review process. That was the biggest problem to me, was if they made bad calls on the field, and the review process did not allow them to make to fix them. And West Virginia benefited, but West Virginia played better. Right. End of the day. Iowa State had a three seven-point lead with... Uh, Heading into the fourth quarter, had a seven-point lead, and then West Virginia scored 14 in the fourth quarter and won. This defense is so good, and we have talked about them and praised them, and they gave up 38 to West Virginia. Props to the Raspy Voice kids. They pointed the stat out. When West Virginia runs for 100 yards, they win. Under Neil Brown, when West Virginia gets 100 yards in the ground, they win. 122 yards in the ground, and they won. 
I, I don't know that there's a direct correlation, but there apparently seems to be because that's a thing. I don't know. <laughs> um, so West Iowa State fans, I, I know you guys are are. It's five. You're five and three. You're gonna have to win out, including the bowl game, to to have a shot at a double digit win season, the first one in program history. I know you're not feeling great. So, that retail therapy stuff we talked about. Let me let me go ahead and throw you another one. How about this? I got another one for you. You can get it for yourself or for an Iowa State fan in your life. It's Gridiron Metalworks, custom cut, high quality, made in the USA, grills and griddles featuring your Iowa State Cyclone logo, featuring the logos from every Big 12 team. These things are awesome. They're beautiful. They also have some awesome home decor like stainless steel bookends, flower pots, coasters, can coolers, all of them the actual school colors, not just the, oh, it's close like other manufacturers do. These things are awesome. And I promise you, if you are an avid griller, if you're an avid tailgater, this is the kind of thing you want to have. It's going to take every grilling experience, every tailgating experience up a notch. And right now, free shipping across the board. Free shipping on everything. You're not, it's not like if you spend this much, it is just flat out free shipping. And guys, go to gridironmetal.com. And here's a fun fact for you, because I had somebody hit us up on Twitter. It's like, hey, they don't have my grill make. Message them. They, you tell them what you have, they will make sure they get it custom cut for you. You send the dimensions, they will get it custom cut for you. It doesn't matter if they don't have it on there, they will get you what you need. In fact, they're gonna add a tool to the website very soon that allows you to input your dimensions and it will spit out your griddle for you or great grill grate for you, okay? So don't let, they don't have my grill brand hold you back. They will get you what you want and what you need and it will be awesome. And they'll get it to you in time for Christmas if you do it now, okay? So do yourself a favor, use the promo code 1012, T-E-N-1-2, and get 15% off your first order. It's 1012, T-E-N-1-2, get 15% off. This is perfect for you. This is a great gift for somebody who is a super fan, a college super fan, and probably doesn't have something like they have at home. You guys are gonna love it. I do, I'm pumped. I'm pumped to get my father-in-law his Arkansas one. I'm pumped for someone to get me my griddle. My griddle. My grandma messaged me on Facebook. was like, Philip, what's that thing you were talking about? And I was like, it's, it's okay. I, uh, every time I do a story on Instagram and it posts to Facebook, she always messaged me asking about it. It's a very grandma on social media thing. And I love her to death and it's fantastic. And Papa, I know you're listening to this. Yes, Nini, I, I love her. It's funny. It could be. Um, so gridironmetal.com. Go check it out. Don't forget. Promo code 1012, 15% off your first order. Uh, Gridiron for the college super fan. Yeah. Welcome to Between Two Bears, the newest 1012 Network podcast. Uh, this is Matt is Bear. I'm going to introduce my co-host, Evan Abair, uh, to give you a quick idea of what the show is about. Yeah, Between Two Bears is going to be a, it's going to be a great, sorry, Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid, Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid side of Baylor sports. Hey, I'm going to try one more time. Between Two Bears. Okay, uh, Evan, Evan's going to go take a nap. Um, 
but we are excited to join the 1012 network along with the rest of their already great lineup of Big 12 podcasts. Check them out at 1012 Network on Twitter and us as well at Matt is Bear and at Evan Haybear. Uh, Sick'em Bears. Jamie, Andy is gone. It's just you and me. We can badmouth Kansas. No, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that. We like Andy way too much. Uh, we've gone longer than I was hoping to go tonight as I am exhausted. We're over an hour. I like. I keep like, we're going to keep it to, it's impossible. How does this keep happening? Because we talk too much. It's because we, have, you know what? We're just not going to have it. No, last time we'd have Andy, guess what? We still went too long. It happens every time. All right. Uh Four games on the schedule this coming weekend. Oklahoma State traveling to West Virginia. Kansas State at Kansas. Sunflower Showdown. Baylor at TCU. Uh, and Texas visiting Iowa State. In Jamie, what game are you looking forward to the most? Uh, well, Andy, Andy did text us that he is looking forward to Iowa State and Texas the most. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So shout out to him for being diligent. Um, hmm. I think that, uh, Oklahoma state, West Virginia, I guess by default, because I don't have a lot of interest in watching more of TCU or Kansas, uh, West Virginia, maybe got a little bit of energy going maybe maybe pretty hyped going into this week. I still think Oklahoma State's pretty dang good. So that's, I think, the best matchup lift available to me to pick. Um, that's a great pick. I wish you only a three-point favorite on the road at a West Virginia team that's looked, as I mentioned, a whole lot better since the Only three? Yeah. West Virginia's playing better. And this is a game that has been historic the last few years since Neil Brown got there, a very low-scoring affair. Um, if it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't surprise me. It's a little bit lower than I thought it would be. I didn't think it would be a touchdown. Like I thought maybe four or five points, but three is not shocking to me. Uh, West Virginia playing really well. Defense looks really good. Um, OSU coming in. I think it's a really interesting game. I can't pick that one. Texas. I, I was going to do Baylor at TCU because everything going on with TCU and Baylor looking really good. But with Gary out, I agree. I'm like, okay, well, I mean, I'm intrigued to see how TCU looks without Gary. How did, did they, do they rally around the players rally around this or not? I would love to say the sunflower showdown. I would love for that to be a big deal game. I mean, it's Texas at Iowa state is, is the other one. You've got Texas reeling after three straight losses. They have got to get a win or they're going to fall to four and five. They're going to fall below 500. Woof, that ain't good for Texas. I mean, think about this. With at the Red River, there was like, oh, we'll, we'll see them and see that OU team in Arlington. Then they lose two more. Now they're four and four. They were four and two, and losing at Iowa State, which is a very possible thing. Iowa State looked to bounce back. Be four and five, two and four in Big Twelve play. Yikes! And for Iowa State, um, I mean. You can argue that the season is not over for them. They still own the tiebreaker over Oklahoma State. <coughs> they still have OU on the schedule, potentially the, a game that they could win and get themselves right back in. But for Iowa State now at 3-2 and two in conference play, like they can't afford anything else. They can't afford another loss at all. 
to have any hope of of making a Big 12 title game, potentially winning the Big 12, and and, and all those things that they had and hoped for this season. And this is a huge game with a lot at stake for both teams, and that's what I always look for. It's like, what are what's a game between two teams who have a lot at stake? Like OSU West Virginia, yes, OSU's got a lot that they're playing for. West Virginia trying to get to a bowl game, but Texas Iowa State, that is two teams that need this win because a loss here for both those teams does I think a lot of irreparable harm to the psyches of players on both teams and both fan bases. Imagine the intensity of this game and it being the first college football game you've ever attended in your life. I am bringing my sister-in-law, my best friend this weekend. She's never gone to a, a college football game. We're, we're friends for reasons outside of sports. Uh, clearly you have those. Hey, it, look, if you follow me on Twitter, you sure as hell know I do. Oh, I know. I'm an enigma wrapped in a riddle. Know, whatever the joke is. It's an enigma exactly. wrapped in a riddle. Um, somehow, We're theater friends. Oh, there you go. Very cool. Very cool. Um, all right, so let's wrap with that. A couple of notes just to leave you all here real quick. Uh, Symbol, our good friends and sponsors of the 1012 Podcast and the 1012 Network. Uh, love having them here. We are doing the drawing for the two free tickets to a Big 12 game Monday at noon. <coughs> Kenneth is going to sit down with me. We're going to record a Zoom. Uh, we will we will air that on Thursday to let everybody know who is winning those tickets. This is for a network-wide thing. So one winner from the whole network is going to get two free tickets to a Big 12 game. So if you're still hoping to sign up for that, if you still want to try and get those two free tickets, you have until noon Central Time on Monday. This episode goes up at 6 a.m. That gives you six hours once this thing comes out. So go to symbol.com, use the promo code NETWORK12 when you sign up and deposit $25, and you'll be entered in to win potentially two tickets to a Big 12 game of your choosing. We wanted to get this done before the season was over so people could, could get those tickets. Um, to a game, obviously, if, um, the way we're going to do it is we're just basically going to give away. You can either have the tickets bought for you or you'll get the face value, a certain dollar amount value, and you can use one basketball ticket if you want, if you don't want to try and boot football. But, so that's fine. So that winner is going to get drawn Monday, noon Central Time. We'll announce it on Thursday on our Picks Pod. Okay, so be checking that out. We'll put it on Twitter. Don't worry. We will let, uh, we'll let you know which show they signed up through. Very excited about that as well. So go to symbol.com, S-I-M-B-U-L-L.com. Sign up, deposit $25. Use the promo code NETWORK12. You'll be entered in to win if you do it before noon on Monday. Okay, don't forget, if you are part of our pick three, our weekly winners, I have emailed a lot of you. Check your email from 1012podcast at gmail.com. I'm trying to get you guys your koozies and stickers of being weekly winners of our pick three. Um, do us a favor, follow us on Twitter at 1012podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> at ten twelve network t e n the number twelve the word network old habits die hard follow us on Instagram at ten twelve pod t e n one two p o d leave us a rating and a review please five stars and a review it helps us out a lot I do have a review I need to read I will do that on Thursday as I forgot and we're already way over follow our good friend J S J J Jamie Steyer Johnson at J S T E Y Z yeah J Styles Oh, man, I gotta wrap this. Uh, follow her on Twitter. Follow Andy at AndyMitts12, M-I-T-T-S. We'll be back on Thursday with picks. Chris is going to be very excited because he won this week, and we will talk to you then.
Sports Social Podcast Network.